Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. It's Ross. Welcome to the program. Today is going to be really interesting. Um, we have someone on who... I don't even know how to have this conversation, but we're going to try. Let me bring you back a month ago. It was the 19th of November. I was up in Seattle. I, uh, a casino just outside of Seattle. 800 people had tickets to my show. Me, some of my favorite drag queens, we put on the most amazing drag show. It was so much fun that night. Uh, I'll never forget it. I remember thinking of the energy in there was so positive. I felt like we had put something beautiful, something good out into the world. And then I woke up the next morning, the 20th, and grabbed my phone and looked, and it said, mass shooting at a gay bar, Club Q, in Colorado Spring, five, five people dead. And my heart just broke. Just, I mean, every mass shooting is terrible, 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 unacceptable. I'm sick of them. I'm furious about it. But, but here, I saw that people had just been shot for doing what I had just been doing the night before, being somewhere where drag queens were, God forbid. Right? Can you... Can you even begin to start thinking about that? I mean, I, I imagine a lot of you listening here have gone to a gay bar, gotten drinks, been to a drag show, had fun. Been, and can you imagine in the middle of that, you go from that joyous feeling to then somebody trying to kill you, killing people around you. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. I have done what those people at Club Q were doing for so long. I've done it a million times in my life. I've done, I've been there and it could have been us, you guys. It could have been us. And five people died, um, which is unacceptable, which is heartbreaking. But if it weren't for the heroism of Richard Fierro, it would have been much worse. Richard's the man who grabbed the gun from the gunman and beat him up, held him and stopped the senseless killing. I met Richard backstage at the Drew Barrymore show. I walked into the room and I, I was covered with chills because I was meeting a hero. I was meeting somebody who, because of his actions, saved lives. And I talked to Richard and I talked to his wife, Jess, and I, I just said, would you come on my show? I just, I need to know what it was like. Because it, you guys, it could have been us. And heartbreakingly, it was them. It was Richard. It was his family. His daughter's, Cassidy's boyfriend, Raymond, is one of those who died. And it's really too soon, I think. You know, it, it just was a month ago but he's here. I'm like, you know, I don't know what to ask about. I mean, I know what I want to know, but I, I, I want to know how he is. I want to know how his family is. And I want to know what it was like. It could have been us. Richard Fierro is here to, um, to say hello, Ross, and to talk to us about the most terrifying thing I can imagine. He'll be here. We'll have a wonderful conversation with him. Deep, interesting, and I, and I hope worthy of our time. Richard Fierro is up next. Thank you. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hello, Ross. Richard Fierro. I, I am I, so beyond thrilled to chat with you because it's not every day we have an actual life-saving hero on our show. Uh. And I was so lucky to get to meet you in New York. And right away, I mean, I walked in that room and just hugged you. Do you remember that? We were in the makeup, hair and yeah, makeup room. No, I, I was in total shock. Because I remember you from Leno. Like, I used to watch that a lot. And it was yeah. hilarious. So please yeah. don't ask me any questions on this that I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it was one of those things where I was just like, holy crap, we're actually doing this. Because up until that point, you know, and, and then just to see you in the actual concern and and love and support you actually gave to us was it was a blessing and we were so happy to be there you guys treated us so well good i'm glad well we couldn't believe i couldn't believe when i saw you know they on that we work on a tv show you know all the upcoming guests we have a billboard with all the names coming on the dates and i every day i go in and look oh who's coming up who's coming up and when i saw your name was coming up i i actually couldn't believe it because i had been reading about you and kind of oh, wow. obsessed with you since that terrible day in, in November, um, I, I just want to walk you back a little bit. And I, and I kind of want to just, if you don't mind, my plan yeah. with you today is I want to heap praise on you and I want you to accept oh. the hero status. <laughs> it's, I, it's been hard, but I'll try. <laughs> well, I will help you today accept that because you you deserve a hero status. I, I want to hear oh, about that day. I want to hear about before that day. And I want to hear about after. Yeah. But first, Richard, if it's okay, can I just go back into a little bit about who, who you are and, and your history? You have you were in the military, right, for a long time. Yeah, uh, I did uh, 15 years, uh, three tours in Iraq, one uh, tour in Afghanistan. So I've, I've seen some things that, you know, uh, not a lot of people have seen, um, both good and bad. And, and it's, it's an ugly thing. And, I mean, bottom line is nobody wants to do it, but somebody has to. Um, but that's something I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this here and neither did my wife and kid. They were already going through this stuff, dealing with me gone that many times. Um, and for them to go through it themselves, it's just, it's just a whole nother realm. You know, like I, I still can't get over it cause it's my whole family. Like my daughter, my wife, we lost Raymond and my two best friends from Colorado Springs. There's no escaping this. This is like an, a daily thing for all of us. And it's just, it's crazy. So I, I, I want to get to know you a little bit. So, you're an army veteran who married your wife uh, when you were really young. You guys been together since what the early '90s, and and uh, you have uh, you have a family. And uh, one of your your daughters' name is Cassandra, right? Yes, Cassie. Cassie, we call it Cassie. Okay, and Cassie had a, a, a her boyfriend was Raymond, correct? Yes, yes. And, and that, so they they met in high school. They met same, in high same school as too. Me. Same as you and your mom. Okay. Or your your wife. So, you know, and you're all you're all a close knit family, right? And it's uh I'm painting the picture now. So it's 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 November, November nineteenth, I think, right? Yes. 
And your daughter says, you know, we want to bring you down to a club because there's a drag show. Now, for starters, I would go to a drag show with you any day. You seem like a lot of fun. <laughs> so, OK, well, so, so yes, that's true. And I would I would absolutely go with you because uh, there's another place down here called Icons where they do like sing along with this stuff. It is amazing. So we have a great time there, too. Anyway, um, my daughter had grown up with Wyatt, who is uh, known as Potted Plant, uh, and he does drag. So he's he was performing and it was his birthday and he had invited Cass and Cass was like, Mom, Dad, we need to go. And we were like, OK, it's a little Wyatt. We got to support him. So we went to dinner and then uh, that evening we showed up at uh, at Club Q and it was I mean, it was my first time in that specific location. My my uh, wife and daughter had been there before um, to see Wyatt perform. So it was my first time to see Wyatt. It was a new experience for me, but I was like, oh, this is cool. There's nothing wrong with this place. Mm -hmm. So we were hanging out, we were drinking, having a good time. And and then uh, Wyatt's performance and all the performers were freaking awesome, right? And it was not like a packed show. So we were, you know, we're tipping, we're doing all the, it was just amazing. I, and I want to talk, you know, you, you, I was reading in the New York Times about you. They wrote about, because, because of your history working in the military, you're sort of always on, on guard. And like you talked about how you even go in, into restaurants, you sit, you don't sit with your back to anything. You're sort of always prepped and always thinking like that. That's just ingrained in you now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just something that you you un inherently just start thinking about because you're you're worried about, you know, I, am I going to get cut off guard? And what was funny is when we walked into that club, the the seat and the table we were sitting at was probably one that I would not pick because it was right with our door to the our backs to the door, and we were right out of, coming out of the hallway. Um, so we were the first table coming down the little hallway there, and I told Jess, I was like, hey, why don't we sit on the booths? And they were against the wall, and she was like, no, I want to be close so that we can see why. Mm -hmm. And so we sat there with five chairs, not six, and there were six of us. So uh, Chip and Joanne, uh, Joanne was sitting on Chip's lap during the show, and we were just like making it work, you know. And it was it was one of those moments where we were like just happy. And and at the end of the day, once she tells me something like that, I, I don't worry about anything. Mm -hmm. I have my initial instinct of hey, let's go sit over there. And if my wife and daughter say hey, no, we we don't want to do that today, then I, I go along with it. it it's been a, a while since I've been so queued up, but you know, I will yeah. see where we get now. Tell me about the vibe though in there. You're saying it's a birthday party. The drag performers were wonderful. What, I mean, what it was, was it your first drag show there? And, and what did it feel like? What, what was the energy in there? Because I know a thing or two about drag shows and I know they're kind of amazing vibes. There's such good yeah. energy. What, what was going on inside there before the terrible turn? We're really looking for solace in that because we were having such a great time. The, I mean, we've been to the brunches. We went to Miami and, and saw some, you know, drag brunch shows. And so we've done a lot of this, this stuff just for fun. And I was excited, you know, and, and these are junior kids. These are not, you know, long-term professional, you know, drag performers. These are kids trying to get started. So this is like, you know, Wyatt's 22 and he's doing his thing. But this is when you go to like that stand-up comedy club to see Kevin Hart perform before he becomes something big, you know? Mm -hmm. You just go and watch these kids give it their all. And they were just amazing. We were tipping out and we, it was just cool. And, and, and the vibe for us is the six of us, we were so happy and we had no intention. We were like, well, we'll go see the show and then we'll go home and we're good. And yeah. we were like, dude, this is too much fun. And so the people started dancing, Raymond's dancing. I started dancing a little bit, Chip. And so we just, after the show, we just hung out with, with Wyatt and, and, and or Potted Plant, excuse me. And, and we started dancing with everybody there and it was just beautiful. No issues, no, like you go to a club and it's usually like a meat market and everybody's trying to, this was just everybody being themselves and having fun. And the reason I ask you that is because I think so many of our listeners have 
been to shows like that. You know, it, it was just another drag show and another gay bar, people having fun, having drinks, letting loose a little bit. And I want, I want everyone to picture that. How many times have we been to something like that? How many times have we just been hanging out? And that, I, I just want, I want everyone to understand that because it's not like it happened to somebody else. It just happened to have happened to you because you were there just doing what we've all done a million times hanging out. And then Richard, if you don't mind, and I don't want to push you hard. I don't want, I don't want to take you back there, but can you tell us what happened? Well, so I heard, I, I mean, I heard uh, uh, fires, which is, you know, for me, it's the same fire that I'm, I've, I've done in 15 years. So I heard what was a rifle and I, and I knew somebody was shooting right away. You knew you heard that sound and you knew. As soon as I heard it, yeah. No, there, there was no doubt. I didn't think there was music. I dove down or I looked over my right shoulder to verify, like, is somebody actually shooting in here? And I saw the muzzle flash and like a shadow of the figure. And I said, oh, my God. So I, I took cover. So I, and I don't know about because cover, you're supposed to actually be protected. I just went down on the ground because you get low. It's usually a safest spot you're going to be. So I go down on, on my I dive down and Chip did the same thing. Uh, he was sitting right next to me. And I don't know when he got shot, but he got shot in his knee at that point, And Joanne had taken five bullets or, or whatever. And they were right next to me, you know? And I, as, as I, I tried to get back up, cause I wanted to, I wanted to stop whatever was going on. As I tried to get up, I slipped on, it was probably beer or could have, you know, whatever's on the floor. And I fell back into the, into the same booth that I had told Jess, Hey, let's sit there. So this booth that's along the wall, I fell into that on my back. And as I hit that, that booth, I could see across the room into the, what would be the patio door. And uh, the the figure of this this guy um, there with his armor on, uh, and so I ran across. And when I got there, uh, uh, Thomas was already starting to fight with him. I was fighting with him, um, and then we finally get him to the ground. And we just it was six minutes of of ugly, you know. I mean, I I, I don't like. I mean, that's the part I don't like talking about. Only because for 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 me, it's not something that's I don't know rare or unexpected because i know what the human body does when it's when it's beaten or or shot at but that's not something normal people do right and so when thomas jumped out he was fighting and when we ended up on the floor he was at the head of the guy and i was on his back and i was hitting him with his pistol um thomas was kicking him and i kept motivating him thomas keep kicking or i didn't, I didn't know his name at the time i was like hey just keep kicking keep kicking dude and get the ar and like move the ar and i'm yelling out you know hey Hey, uh, somebody call 911, call 911. And I just continue to hit him. And it was six minutes. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know how well I did or not. I, I just know that I could not let this guy get back up. He was fighting me the whole time. So we were just trying to keep him from getting up and continuing what he was doing. So we, we just kept hitting. And there was a, a trans woman. Um, and I, I can't remember her name for the life of me. So this trans woman is running by and I, I literally was like, he's slowing down because Thomas was hurt. I don't know the extent of his injuries. I I, I still haven't met him. Um, he's choosing to, to do things his way. This is Thomas who assisted you in bringing down the, the shooter. Well, yeah, we both, we both went at this guy. And so while he was kicking, he was injured and he was slowing down and you could tell he was trying, but he, he just couldn't kick anymore. And then it was yeah. just me with this guy. So, so uh, the trans woman was running by. I asked for her to kick this guy, kick this guy, the other guy slowing down. And she came in and just started kicking, you know? And, 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 and to me, that was one of those things when you ask someone to do something that's not human, right? It is not human to kick someone in the head. Mm -hmm. It's not. 
it, it, it may sound like something easy to do or a video game or, or whatever, but when you actually hit someone, there is a whole different realm and a different feeling because you're doing something to the human body that shouldn't be done, regardless of what that person is, right? So for me to ask that and for, for uh, uh, that young lady to, to respond that way, I thought it was amazing. She's probably never, you know, even if she'd gotten into fights, that's a, a conscious decision. This was a, holy crap, this person was just shooting at me. Now I have to start hitting him. That's a hard thing to do. Well, I want to go back just a, a little bit. And I want to thank you for sharing this because I can't imagine having seen what you have seen. I mean, and I know you, you saw a lot of in the military, uh, but that night in, in November, what you saw, and I'm just, I'm so curious about when you saw him come in uh, with the guy, I mean, was there a moment, did you, did, were you able to process it? Did it take a millisecond to go, oh my gosh, we're in the middle of a shooting. This is happening here. No, that was it. I, I, there was no thought process. So, and everybody asked me like, what were you thinking? Did you make a decision? And I, I didn't. I knew that was gunfire. I knew where I was at and it wasn't, it didn't make any sense to me. So I took cover to try and get oriented to where I'm at and not be shot. And when I turned around, I found the threat. And I go after that threat. And like I said, I did it for my family, my wife, my daughter, my daughter's boyfriend of six years, who I might as and, and you know, in, in the army, we always promote the person when they pass, they get their next rank. And that's why I refer to uh, Ray as my son-in-law, because he, to me, he's earned that respect. He hadn't married her. But at this point, I have to refer to him that way because of what he did, you know, his heroic actions in that, in that event. And um, we lost, we, you lost Raymond Ray in, in the shooting. Yeah. So I'm and so we never sorry. Saw him I'm so was, sorry. Yeah. But we never saw him that night. So it was it's been great for Cassie only because she has the solace of the last moments. And I told her the best thing you could ever ask for is the last moments with the person you love to be in total joy, dancing, laughing, smiling, kissing. And then they pass. They weren't in a hospital bed for six years with cancer or had some disease that took forever to, to for them to pass. They, they weren't in an ugly accident that you were part of and witnessed. The last thing she remembers is dancing with him and hugging and kissing him and having a great time. And you, I, I, as horrible as that sounds, I told her, I go, that's though, that's a, most people's dream is to be able to spend their last moments with someone like that. And, and, and she was able to do that. So she's taking solace in that. One. That's, I mean, that's amazing perspective, Richard. How, how are you? How is Jess, your wife? How is Cassie, your daughter? How are you guys now? Because having seen that, it must change you in unspeakable ways. Forever. And, and, I, and, I, and I said that too. We're, we are changed. Everybody in that room is changed forever. Regardless of what they were doing, it was heroic for them to get through it. I mean, the people that ran, people that got shot, people that uh, uh, hid, heroic. Joshua took my daughter in the back room and that's my hero. He saved my daughter. The people that piled on top of my wife in the patio that this guy was facing when, I, when we when we went at him, they saved my wife's life, you know. And and that's why I keep saying like everyone in that room, regardless of what they were doing. So I'm like, everybody in there is a hero. And 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 nothing I did was heroic. What I did was protect my family. And at that time, like I, I've said before, everybody in that room was my family, and that included myself. And if you don't do anything, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, the only thing I can imagine was the, like the worst. So you have to stop whatever it was that was doing it. And and I didn't trust that anybody would be there in enough time to stop it from being the worst thing ever. It was horrible. You you mentioned Kelly Love. 
Kelly Loving, she passed away. Derek Rump passed away. Ashley Pa passed away. Raymond, your son-in-law, passed away. And Daniel Aston, you know, we think about those names. I think about them all the time. I seriously. So like Daniel's Wyatt's boyfriend, Kelly Loving's family came to the brewery the day we opened and I met her sister. Beautiful family. And and they took her home to Memphis uh, for her to, to, to be buried. And, you know, it, this is close knit. You know, I, I, the, the police officer that helped me put tourniquets on my best friend in that moment ended up being a guy that's in the reservists here in Colorado. And he actually is one of his soldiers is one of my employees. You know, I mean, it's it's that close. Mm. It's there, there's it's not like, you know, Colorado Springs is not New York. You can't get lost in the next block. You you somebody will know you a couple blocks down the road. And it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just means it's a small town and suburbia kind of thing. And and that was what made this so powerful and so I think so disgusting because it made this community deal with something that it never should have to. How does it feel in the community now? I mean, does it feel like have you guys come together? It sounds like you have a little bit, but is it what what just what does it feel like? I, it's weird. Uh, listen, we're me, Jesse, and Cass have our moments of being in larger crowds, and and especially having the brewery for us. I tried to shake everybody's hand that spent the time with us, you know, when they opened when we opened up, and and it's been overwhelming the amount of love. But I have to go in the back and take a break. I can't. I just can't do too many crowds right now. Cassie is picking and choosing when she comes out, even just going to the store. Um, she's making sure that she's comfortable before she does it. And this is still only one, I mean, we're on the one month anniversary today and we didn't even think about it until Chip, uh, Chip told us last night, we went to visit Chip and Joanne last night and we just started chatting about it. And he was like, you know, it's been a month and it feels like it happened yesterday. Mm. And, and the moment of it actually happened, it felt like two weeks, you know, and in the six minutes or whatever minute number of minutes it was time changes and it's going to change forever. And I, and I, you know, I talked to Cass a lot about it and I'm, I'm like, you know, you may feel good today. And tomorrow you're going to feel angry and you're going to step on uh, one of the dog's toys and you're going to get pissed off at the dog or that toy. But it has nothing to do with that. You're going to be mad because you stepped on that toy because you're on crutches and you have a broken knee. And this guy did this to you. Mm -hmm. And that's the root of the, of the anger. It doesn't have anything to do with the dog or the toy. And in five years, when you're thinking about Raymond and you get mad at something else, it'll be because this guy took Raymond from you and you're thinking about what could have been. That's what's hard about PTSD. And that's what I, I don't think people understand. It's it's not about, I mean, the gore and all that is is horrible, but it is really about the anger of how you've been changed and how you deal with that down the road. It's not easy. I've I've sought out counseling. I, I, I've gotten medic medicines and everything. And I'm 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 pleased with how I think it was about five years of me working hard to get to a place where I'm I'm almost manageable. I'm not. My wife will tell you there's nights when I'm completely out of control. And and, and I understand and this it is, now. This stems from what you saw. This this is the PTSD from, from the military. Yeah. Yeah. And and but see, those are techniques that and, and experiences that they've shared with me on the other side. But now they're on my side. You know what I'm saying? Like this yeah. is a wall that was always been there. And now we're all on the same side of the wall. Do you think you're uniquely equipped to to. Do you think you were put in that nightclub in Club Q that night for a reason? Do you think you were put there to save people? I, I don't know. I, I, and I think that's up to a, a higher being to to determine. We had just done, and we do this every year at our brewery, is uh, Dia los Muertos. Um, we celebrate it for four days uh, at the brewery. 
and we have memorials and tributes to everybody we love. And we and for this year, we had uh, folks come in. And, and this is, I know this is kind of goofy, but this is how we what, what we've kind of uh, really kind of leaned on to. Um, we have folks come in that were they can kind of see your aura or spirits around you or whatever. And uh, I'm yeah. and this was that. prior to the shooting. Yeah, yeah, this was in our uh, uh, the beginning of November, the first week of November. We had our DLS event. Um, so it was ten days before this, and and uh, Cassie had gotten sick one time uh, about three years ago, really, really sick, almost died. And Cassie's my cousin looked at Cassie and said, "Your grandfather's with you. I can see him." And she was like, "Oh my god!" And Cassie's into this stuff. I was kind of like, "Wow, that's kind of weird," but okay, whatever. And then during Dia de los Muertos, two people that can see, two separate people said the same thing to Cassie. Your grandfather's with you. Your grandfather's with you. And I had shared it with my, my cousin who had seen it the first time. And they go, yeah, dude, it's strong with her. And so we kind of have, been, have taken a lot of solace in that too, that Cassie has this, has, I, I think, she, you know, we believe she has people taking care of her. And that was at that moment that, that, all of this happened and we, we made it out. We didn't all make it out. You know, five of us didn't make it, but um, you look at the polls, you look at all these other Uvalde when, when these idiots are left in, in a room on their own for extended period of time, there's no stopping them unless you do something. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that, that Thomas, I, and the trans woman and everybody else in that room um, did something to, to, to stop, you know, even if it was just applying pressure on someone's wound you know, or, or helping them out the door. Um, that's, that's all I can hope for. But that's what we've kind of looked at is, hey, you know, things kind of lined up with what we were doing and how we believe and, and our culture, you know, we celebrate death. You know? We don't frown upon it. We celebrate it, right? So, you know, when Raymond passed and, and we did the services, Cassie was, she took a lot of solace in that being the last moments of, of something that was beautiful. It was a very beautiful relationship. And I trusted him with my daughter. That's not going to happen very easily, mm-hmm. especially with me. <laughs> well, I bet you, you, I can imagine you being very protective. I mean, it's clearly, it's clearly in your nature to be protective. I see that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What do you do? What do you do with the anger? What do you do with it? Uh, for me, it's, it's hard. Um, I've learned to kind of accept it, you know, Hey, I, I, I have to kind of work through it. I'll remove myself a lot of the time. And a lot of the times I'll be happy. And then I, I leave like a conversation. I'll just leave. And because it's something that'll kind of just make me feel weird and, and I'll leave. What about the anger in the past month? <laughs> do you, what do you do with that anger? As you think about him who came in and did the unthinkable, what do you do with that anger with that anger? The anger and all that I put to him as I was, as I was engaged with him. So I am, I am perfectly comfortable with the fact that I did everything I had to do to get my, if you want to call it revenge or whatever. Um, I, I did things to him that hopefully he will never ever forget. And I, and I, and this is new for me too, because I got to wait for the justice system to do whatever it does. Right. So there is no thinking about him and the next four to five or however long years this is going to take. We're going to have to relive this every time we go on the stand or every time we go into a, a courtroom. And, and that's, I think that's the scarier part. Me and Jess and Cass have been thinking, we've been talking about it. We're like, okay, so once we're finally out of that groove, we're going to look at each other and go, all right, we got to go back to court today and start all over again. You know? So it's a process we not, uh, none of us have gone through. And so we're going to journey, we're going to make that journey together. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to work our way through it. 
but again, like I said, it's, it's all about taking, taking solace in what you have and, and keep moving. I don't know anything about anything, but I'll tell you what I think. I think that too many people in America know what it's like to go through a mass shooting. I'm grateful. I don't know what it's like. Um, I think you are a member, you and your family and everybody who was there that night is now a member of that club. And I'm so sorry you're a member of that club. And I know that tragically five people were killed senselessly that night. I know that. And I know one of them was your, your daughter's boyfriend, your son-in-law, Raymond. But I also know that because of you and the other people there that did things, I know that it would have been a lot more, you know, and I just, I want to say some to you as somebody who takes a lot of pride in going to a, a lot of drag shows and gay bars. And, and I want people to know why the gay bars are so important. And it's because our community couldn't be in the light of day back in the day. It was illegal to be us. And so the only place we could gather were gay bars. When I talked to the owner of the club, he was telling me about the patio and why the, why the, 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 the fencing was so long, high up. It was an eight foot fence. And I go, the kids can't get out of there. And, he, and, I, and I looked at him, I go, was that because they didn't want to see you guys? And he just laughed at me, he goes, Rich, we did this 20 years ago. Yes, I had so many permits and regulations that we couldn't, everything had to be sealed in. Nobody wanted to see us. We couldn't party like, because I go, dude, I have a patio of a four foot fence. That's all I need for my brewery. And he's got an eight footer that no one can penetrate. Not to, not to keep people in, but because people don't want to see. And that's, that's, it's horrible, man. That's not stuff that's, that's, that's where I think heroes come from is, is fighting through stuff like that. And, and, and as a, as a young Mexican kid, I've gone through the same thing. You know, the one kid in the room that's dark or has never, you know, done one thing and just stand out and it hurts and it sucks. But at the end of the day, you, if you don't do it, right, if you're not that only person in that room, then you don't make progress because hopefully you can make some influence and impact. I, I've always told my, 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 my mom and dad and my, my wife, like if I leave this world and at least one person goes, man, you know what, that guy, that guy helped me out. That's all I'm looking for. And there's nothing else about it, you know? Well, then Richard, Richard, then mission accomplished, if that's what you're looking for, mission accomplished. Because of, because of you that night, I mean, I, I have to tell you, it was, it is, it will always be an unthinkable tragedy what happened there, but it, would have been so much worse if you hadn't been there. So thank you. Thank you. I think you are an absolute hero. And I, and I think, I don't know, I can't tell people how to act in this scenario. I don't know anything about it, but I do know that you made a difference that day. And I just want to say as a, as a, as a gay person and in the public, a person who understands how important it is to have allies, a person who like so many other Americans fears the worst, what you went through, fears that every day. I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Give my love to Jess. Give my love to Cassie. And give my love to everybody in the entire town and the community and Club Q. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Um, we'll be right back. My thanks to Richard Fierro. I can't um, imagine. I, I, um, I can't imagine what we could be talking about if he hadn't been there that night. But I do know that we lost five beautiful people. This show is dedicated to Kelly Loving, Derek Rump, Ashley Paul, Raymond Green, Vance, and Daniel Aston. And also a big thank you to uh, one of my heroes now, Richard Fierro. Thank you. Hug your loved ones. You know, 
Hug them. Hug them. Hug them. Love you. Love you. Love you. Next week, a much lighter show. Randy Rainbow will be here for some much needed levity. Thank you all so much. And, um, you know, try to be a hero one day if you're ever called on it. Thank you. See you next time. Hey, it's me, Ross Matthews. Thanks so much for listening. It means a ton. Make sure you like us, give us a good review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find us on video at Cumulus Podcast Network on YouTube. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Should we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.